at any point, my story could have very easily gone the other way and not been a success. It's going to make waves, but I think we're doing it for the best. Obviously, we're, we're shaking it up a bit, which is quite, I, I quite enjoy that. If you do something wrong, something's life could be at risk. If you don't pay attention, something could die. Hello there and welcome back to the NatWest Business Show. I'm your host, Angelica Bell, and we have reached the final episode of season three, in which we've been talking to a whole host of inspiring business owners detailing how they've turned adversity into action. And joining us this week is Charlotte Ashley, who found her calling at the age of 23 when she bumped into her future husband. She's now successfully running her farm while shining a light on the goings on of everyday farm life and the challenges that it brings. So please welcome Charlotte. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm wonderful, wonderful. A fish out of water, but wonderful. No, you are at home here. Your story is incredible. But before we talk about that journey... We ask every guest to tell us a business confession, something that you might have learned the hard way, you know, had a challenge to overcome or a business blunder. OK, but it propelled you on the road to success. So what is your confession? It was all an accident. Um, I think at any point, my story could have very easily gone the other way and not been a success. And I think that's what people have got to realise when they look at you and think, oh, you're successful it could have gone the other way very easily. So how could it have gone the other way? I was a girl from Preston, uh, ordinary, huge school. Um, and I think when you're a lot younger and you're from, you know, a bigger city, you you only have a couple of pathways in life that people can see you going down. And for me, it was either hairdressing or childcare. That was it. They were the paths that you were pushed down. I wasn't particularly academic in any way. And... Yeah, I ended up being a carer and then I ended up in caring the community. And then just per chance, I met my husband at a party in Manchester of all places. So it was uh, quite far away from both of us. And we ended up talking. I ended up going and seeing his farm. And yeah, so I moved to Cumbria, ended up being a carer again in Cumbria and farming in my spare time. So I've always, as soon as I got there, I was thrown into farming. So farming wasn't an option? No. Is something that sort of come about by chance meeting in yeah. Manchester? Well, I think at the time of me moving to Cumbria, Roy and his dad both worked full time off the farm and they had a, a garage and there was nobody to pick up the slack and that ended up being me. So it was very much Charlotte, you go and do that. Charlotte, you go and do that. You've got the time. You know, I was off for, I, I worked early morning and late night, so I was off very much during the day. So it was, you know, a calf needed mothering on, which is where you you make sure it gets its milk. Um, so it was Charlotte, go and do that. So I learned very much the hard way with large animals. And yeah, it just so happened that I enjoyed it. But let's talk about your farm, Latha Farm in yes. Cumbria. Um your husband's up there with your children. He is indeed. You've left them alone. I, I have. Are you comfortable? Are you relaxed? <laughs> yeah, no, he's no, he's wonderful. No, he's really, really good. Uh, we're not, you know, we don't have them defined gendery kind yeah. of roles on the farm at all. And, you know, if you, I'm very much, you know, I can do anything you can do. Obviously, it doesn't always work out. But yeah, um, we both pitch in and we're very much a team. You know, there's no, you do that job, I do this job. You know, he he cooks tea and I'm making a video and yeah, it works really well for us. So describe a day on the farm. Um, get the children to school, look after the animals, muck out, um, a lot of office work, which people don't 
generally see because it's not something that you you know would post about because it's quite boring but there is a lot of office work involved in farming um I will throughout the day be videoing what I'm doing um which does it does add a lot of time on but it's worth doing and then I think the children will come home from school Roy will cook the tea um I will make a video post the video and then we'll go back out to work so yeah it's fairly full-on and, and and set the scene for people who, you know, want to imagine what your farm looks like. <laughs> because, I, I mean, I, luckily with my job, I've been to loads of farms, I've worked on farms, you know, yeah. and seen that it's a lot of work that goes into it. Because I think you're, you're underplaying yeah. how much work oh, it's a lot you of have work. to do It's to a run massive amount of work. And I think coming somewhere like London, it kind of brings it home to you that not everyone has that amount of space that you've got. And it does make you grateful for what you've got. And we really should... Um, yeah, we should really should be more grateful for what we've got. But yeah, to appreciate, you know, your normal day to day routine, I think you have to be taken out of your comfort zone, like coming somewhere like this, which is quite interesting. So yeah, it's kind of, it's shifted my perspective a little bit coming here, which is a nice thing. I think I needed that. A little break. Yeah, a little break, a little break to give you a bit of a fresh look. So you've got cows? Yep. Sheep? Yep. Four chickens? Four chickens. Two pigs? Two pigs. Four dogs? <laughs> Well, I know. <laughs> I'm literally like, okay, um, two children, and, and two children, and you're looking, and, and you're looking to expand into dairy. Yes, dairy we're going to go into dairy. I don't, as it stands there, unless you have, um, you know, a thousand acres on a fell side. I don't think um, beef and sheep is necessarily making the amount of money that you need to progress in business. So we are going into dairy. We're going to have 120 jerseys milking on two robots, um, which obviously is a huge investment. Um, but I think to go forward and future proof it, I, we needed that. So yeah, it's a big, it's a big step, but it's what we want to do. I'm quite overwhelmed by what you've got to do. It's going to be early starts, late finishes. So how do you manage day-to-day life of being a business owner with day-to-day life of running a farm? I think it merges into one, probably not the healthiest thing, if I'm honest, looking from other people's perspectives, there is no work-life balance. It's all work because it's all your life. I think farming is, it's a bit cliche, but it very much is a lifestyle. It's not just a a job. You can't leave it and go home. It's not possible. You know, you are on call 24-7, no matter what's happening. It doesn't matter if you've got a wedding, you know, a funeral. It doesn't matter. Farming comes first because you're caring for animals and their welfare is paramount above everything else. You know, whether that be Christmas Day, birthdays, it doesn't matter. Um... So, yeah, I think that's always worth considering when looking at going into farming, which a lot of people see the romanticised kind of view of it and don't realise the work that goes in. But you're managing it. Yes. Um, We are a team, as I've said, and I think between me and Roy, we are managing it, yeah. Uh, Roy's, he's he's wonderful. Um, He does really, really well. Far more business-minded than I am, um, but a lot less vocal. (laughs) It's all balance, isn't it? It is. And do you employ people on the farm? No, that's why we are putting robots in, mostly so we don't have to employ anybody. So there is just us. We've, with previous businesses, we have employed people. And although, it, you know, they were really successful, it was hard work at times. And I think just cutting out any employment whatsoever, apart from just me and Roy, is the way forward. Well, we know this economic climate is putting a lot of pressure on farmers um, and they are looking to diversify and look for more sustainable methods to produce and to just stay afloat really and is that what you're doing the approach you're taking 
I think we are looking to very much fine tune what we've got. We aren't a huge farm. We haven't got a lot of land compared to other people. And in order to survive like business wise, we need to very much fine tune what we're doing and make the best use of the land that we have and use it more appropriately. Um, I think you could very much go down just the environmental route and, you know, just plant trees, for instance, which people are paying you to do or put solar panels up, but it isn't the best use of the land. And I think everything has a place uh, when you look at things like that. And it any kind of change involves an awful lot of investment. Like the robots that we're putting in, they cost the same as somebody's house, like for one of them. And in order to survive business-wise, we need to just um, refine what we're doing and very much streamline it. So putting the robots in means that we cut out, obviously, employing anybody. Um, from a land perspective, the the cow's feet are lighter on the land. They're going to be on a grazing system, so it's better for the, you know, it's better for the fields themselves. Um, we are also going into environmental schemes. But you have to remember if if the business doesn't pay and it doesn't make money, we won't be able to do any of this. So it's a really fine line to to get that balance between what the public wants you to do and see you doing and what's actually making money and good business decisions. And yeah, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a battle, I think, in the middle. Mm. So why are you getting advice then to do this? A lot of research. Yeah. Um, and we're not afraid to ask for advice. Um, there is, there's um, a lot of uh, government websites, things like that. And they are, they are offering advice, um, not necessarily helping you with finances as much. Um, but yeah, I think being willing to take advice is definitely a good business decision and it's a smart thing to remember to do because a lot of people, they just want to be going it alone and you know I'll do it my way, which is very much what farming used to be. It was just what they'd always done before. And I think learning to change and accept new ideas is something that has hit farming a lot. I mean, yeah. I think the average age of farmers in the UK is late 50s and making any change, especially to um, a, a breed of people that have always done things very traditionally, is going to make waves. But I think we're doing it for the best. And obviously we're, we're shaking it up a bit, which is quite, I, I quite enjoy that. And also there's different variables affecting farming now than before whether it's the environment, uh, sustainability, how you're using meat, how you're feeding animals, how you're looking after them, all yeah. these things have costs if you're going to change as well. Yeah. So you have to take that into account. I think, for instance, your food, your feed, fertiliser and your fuel, they've all gone up threefold. They're coming down again now, but it, it has been a really tough time for farmers. And I know people that have gone out of business because even just interest rates have, have knocked them so much that they can't carry on because obviously any amount of infrastructure that you're putting on a farm is so costly. Uh, there is a lot of borrowing involved and that's only natural. So um, yeah, it's any little change in something like that can really impact people's businesses. Should we take a break? Should we? I'm going to give you a little bit of a break. Are you going to give me a break? Okay. Yeah, is that right? Well, not too much. Um, this section is called Trending Takes, um, which we pose a statement to you. Um, which has been sort of inspired by conversation on the internet. And all you need to do is tell me if you agree or disagree. Okay. Okay. The team has been busy. They're like little, I was going to say beavers, but you haven't got any of those on your on your farm. No, they are rewilding beavers. Though. Pl- I know. Yeah, it's wonderful. Mm. Okay. Trending take number one. Farming is a business steeped in tradition and should stay that way. No. 
I know you touched on this. Yeah, no. Expand. Oh, I'm allowed to expand. Thank you. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I was hoping I was. I was thinking it was going to be a yes, no with no context. I did, say, I did say you can have a little breather, but I'm like, I knew you wanted the chat. Um, no, I disagree entirely. I think farming needs to shape up and move with the modern world. I think we have a responsibility very much to deliver what the public wants to see, but also make it a profitable business, which looks after the welfare of your animals and you know um you are very much a, a steward of the countryside as well so you've got to look after it that way i think there's several it's not a black and white thing but i think there's several very important factors in and we've got to make them all work and work together otherwise you're just going to be fighting with people i think um we're going to go very very much more environmental it has to be that way. And that is what people want to see. It's what the government wants to do. And I think to fight against that would be very, very unwise. But also, when you're remembering that, you've got to make it pay, which is the which is the fine balance, I think. Okay, here's another trending take for you. There is not enough competition in farming. No, you could come at that from several angles, though, couldn't you, I suppose? No, I... I think I'm not a fan of competition if I think of it on more of a local kind of level. I think it breeds a bit of ill feeling. I think on a national level, um, the supply chain, it's obviously that's a massive conversation, is completely broken. And I think the competition isn't healthy. I don't think it's fair either. Um, but that's a, another very long conversation. I think the the rural and town or city that we're in the divide between people knowing where their food comes from is it's it's growing it's not getting smaller it's growing and that is um something that we also need to to challenge but yeah no I don't think competition to some degree it is healthy but I I don't think it's healthy to be honest no okay trending take number three luck is an underplayed element of business success yes I am very lucky. I have landed on my feet. Don't get me wrong, I am making the most of it and I'm not dimming any of what we have done as a couple. I'm not saying that it's not it's worthless or anything, but I think we're very lucky. We've been we have been very lucky and I hope we continue to be very lucky. That wraps up this section. <laughs> Thank you so much. And listen, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, we would love to hear your thoughts because there's been some interesting points mentioned. Um, so drop them in the comments section below. The one thing that you have diversified into is social media. You have an incredible following on TikTok. <laughs> I've literally been mesmerised by watching some <laughs> of the things you put on there. Um, and it's allowed your audience to go through this journey with you. You talked about accidents at yes. the start. Is, was that an accident, how you fell into TikTok? What, it was, what was it that made you think, right, I, I'm going to put this on there and it's going to be interesting and I'm going to have all these followers? Now, I'm from Preston originally. I'm not from a farming background. I'm from a city. I went to a huge school. And I realised that we're not mainstream. No one knows what we use. No one knows what we do. Um, I think we are very guilty of surrounding ourselves with our little bubble. And we live very much in a goldfish bowl. And it's a nice farming community. But... Also, without venturing outside your bubble, you don't realise that people don't often get a look in. And that is very much spurred me on to post more educational content. Mm, because you have got a very honest and uncensored view of farming, yeah. um, especially with 
in education as well because you just yeah. say this is what it is you yeah. know and I'm here and I'm doing it so you yeah. know these are the facts so let's bring in the mental health aspect to that we know that you know mental health there's a you know it's high figures for a lot of farmers as well isn't yeah, it yeah it's huge um do you think there's a stigma around talking about mental health in running a business in your in- industry in running a business in general definitely 100% i think in order to run a business, and I mean that in the London sense of I'm wearing a suit, I'm power dressing, I'm strong, you don't mess with me, to admit a weakness is just unheard of. And I think people will struggle silently just so people don't see that them as any weaker than what, you know what I mean? You, you very much, it's a bit like social media, you put this front out there of this is me, this is what I want you to see, and this is how successful I want to be. And I think by admitting that you don't always feel all right, it's admitting a weakness and then people will see you slightly lesser. But I think in farming, um, it's huge. It's huge. It's a male-dominated industry. I've never found an issue with being a female, but I know that it is it is very, very heavily weighted towards towards men. And for that reason that, you know, they are the, the provider, they're stronger. And nine times out of 10, they don't have anybody to turn to because it's quite an isolated industry as well. You're often on a tractor on your own. You're working in the fields on your own. You're looking after animals on your own. And it's also a high stress environment. If you do something wrong, something's life could be at risk. You know, if you don't pay attention, something could die. It's not, it's a bit like being a nurse. Do you know what I mean? You can't take your eye off the ball. There's quite a lot of responsibility there. Um, And I think that especially the men in the industry, they don't talk enough about mental health or admit that there is an issue. And do you think that that's changing? Do you think, you know, because we've got these stats and people know about it, you know, the community's coming together to help or, or you know, the way that you're opening up and you're very honest about it, that's one avenue that people have seen is quite beneficial? I think giving people a safe space to talk... Now, if you'd have said that, the word safe space to me three years ago, I'd have rolled my eyes and gone, oh, you know, it's silly. Giving people a safe space to talk is so important. Now, I did a charity combine run uh, from Land's End to John O'Groats in a combine. It was the biggest machine that they could find. It was my friend, Ollie Harrison. He's wonderful. And he does a lot for mental health issues, highlighting um all sorts of things. He's, he's absolutely wonderful. Anyway, he'd raised a lot of money and it wasn't so much about the money. It was more about the uh, awareness and the stigma surrounding it. And after I'd done, I went for a little stint on his combine and obviously posted it on all my social media channels as, you know, everyone support this, everyone pay attention. It wasn't so much give money. It was more pay attention. It's okay not to be okay you know, and he does this thing where he says, uh, answer as a percent. So if I say to you, how are you? Which I did this morning. You said, I'm great, thanks. How are you as a percent? That's a good question. Well, you're thinking about it. How are you as a percent? I'm probably 90% because yeah. I'm elated to be here. It's amazing. I'm in such a, a different environment. But then I'm thinking I've got to go and get on a train. And yeah. It's busy and it's King's Cross. You're and, you right. know. I'd probably say 90 because I know the washing's in the machine. I've got to get that when I get home. Isn't it silly? I forgot to get the dinner last night, but I was working on Martin Lewis. <laughs> And yeah, you're you're right. So yeah, it's weighing it up. It's adding, it's sort of scaling it. Yeah. And looking at the percentage that's not, why am I not saying I'm 100%? Exactly. Whereas if if, if I just said to you, how are you? You go, yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. I'm wonderful. And it's like automatically, yes, I'm 100%. And that is, it's it's a wonderful thing that he does. And he had it on the side of the combine, answer as a percent, hashtag answer as a percent. And the amount of people that got in touch with me was unreal. 
From my, the farming industry? Every industry. Every industry. The, my inbox was flooded on every single platform. Email, like actual emails to my email address. Don't even know how they got my email address, but they, they came to my email address. There was people saying they were suicidal. And I went, I don't know how to deal with this. Right. So I've opened the doors and then gone, oh God, what am I meant to say to people? So then it led me into researching further what what is the right thing to do? And I directed them to obviously the appropriate places and just for people to talk and see other people talking, especially people in a prominent position, not necessarily me, but obviously these people that I'm talking about, it just means that they're more likely to open up, which I think is really important just to give them that space to be able to think, yeah, yeah it's acceptable to be able to say I'm not all right. And it doesn't make me any lesser of a person. and It doesn't make me weaker. So on the flip side, you know, you're talking about farming, it's quite isolating. You're saying, you know, you're putting all this work into it. Who's looking after you and Roy? Me and Roy. It's interesting. I think social media, like we've talked about, has um, it has great lows, but also it has massive highs. And I think surrounding yourself with a friendship group that is, you know, paddling with you in your boat and not drilling holes is so important. And metaphorically sorting the wheat from the chaff is a hard process. I love that phrase. I know. But it's such a hard thing to have to do is to make a decision whether or not you want to spend time with people. And it's one that people don't often talk about. And I think surrounding yourself with people who are cheering for you and are happy when you do succeed is a really important thing to do. And we have some very recent good friends and some very old good friends and, you know, we have a really good circle that we can rely on. Um, you know, if we have problems farming-wise, we can ring our friend Matt. He's also in the same position that we are. He's young. They're trying to get on. And, you know, we 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 know so much about each other. And it's just a nice place to be able to go and say, you know, we're struggling with money. It's not a bad thing to say we're struggling with money. It is such a natural thing to say. And yet no one says it. And especially in business, because there's moments where you're going to be a bit flush and moments where you're going... How are we going to pay for that? Seriously, yeah. It, it's And I think with farming, especially everything is so costly. Like I said, these robots, we're putting two in and one of them is the price of a semi-detached house, not in London, because I went and saw an estate agent's window. Wow. Um, but like outside of London, it's the price of somebody's house and that's for one piece of equipment. So you're going to have the pressure of finances. And I think finding and maintaining... Um, good relationships with lenders is very important. And if you were going to talk to people who were going into farming, I think that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice you could give. Everything is costly and you will need to borrow money. Don't just leave it to the last minute and go for who you can. You need to research and, you know, make a proper plan. Well, do you know what, Charlotte, I was going to ask you about the most important piece of advice you would give to other entrepreneurs. You've just given one there. You know, people listening now who want to have a long, successful career like you've had. And I think you're still on that journey. Oh, it is a journey, yeah. But what is the best piece of advice you've got right now? Use highlighters. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> what do you mean? Just generally. When you read a bill or a piece of information, highlight what you need to read what you want to remember and then you don't need to go back and I know it sounds so silly but it's saved so much time and you know it it you can flick through things and and you know things stand out to you don't be afraid to use spider diagrams you know bubble diagrams it, it there's such simple things that you did in school like I I'm not made for business 
I am really not. If you saw the state of my personal finances, I am not made for business. It's not in me to be like that. So I think you've got to utilise tools to make it easier for you. So what you're saying is even if you are taking this journey, taking this step and you're not, you know, you didn't get five A's or whatever, use basic systems to make the D's. D's. I was, hun, that was, that could have been our little secret. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was, I failed at school. I I didn't do very well. I got kicked out of college because I didn't concentrate. I have been fired, fired, not left every single office-based job I have ever had. And that's not for something terrible. It's just through lack of concentration and not being able to, um, like, you know, work spreadsheets and things. I just can't, I can't stare. It's just not in me. I am I am a, a land-based girl. And I just think I'm so lucky to have got to find a job that millions of other people, were, are, they are made for. You could be made for farming and you've never been shown that path as a youngster. So you've never pursued it. So you've never found your calling. Like I cannot imagine doing anything else with my life. I can't, honestly, I can't. I am made for doing what I am doing. I'm, I am made for posting on social media. I thrive off it. I am really, really loving it. And I just think how easy it would have been for me to go the other way and how many other people haven't found their path just because they didn't see it as a viable option when they were younger. Um, which I just find, yeah, it's really sad really that, you know, there's so many people out there who would be so much happier doing something like what I'm doing and they just don't see it in their future. So I hope social media wise, you know, some young girl or boy from wherever sees what I'm doing and goes, do you know what? I I quite fancy doing something like that. So going back slightly, highlighters. Highlighters. Spider diagrams if you need it. 100%. Ask advice. Yes. Actually, I said give me one piece of advice, but we're going to go. We're 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 going rogue. Yeah, we are. We're going. And (laughs) also, if you've got a passion or desire, go for it. Doesn't matter how old you are. And don't let, you know, lack of education be a limitation. I had to learn what inclusive that was and next that and, you know, 17.5%, 20%. I honestly did not know any of this. I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't know how to make an invoice. I didn't know how to do accounts. I didn't know any of this. And, but that's okay. You know, it, you don't have to have done it from school and see this, you know, journey. You you can do it. I mean, I'm 35 now and it's only now I can get my head around these things. I think it is possible for people to, at 35, be slightly more mature, ready to learn, Um especially more with hands-on experience. If you don't learn in a classroom and you didn't do particularly well, that does not mean that you are a write-off because I went through a lot of years of my life thinking that I was absolute rubbish. I was worth nothing. You know, I failed at everything. And, so and you yet, felt like you didn't have a purpose? 100%, 100%. Yeah. Until the age of maybe 23, 24, I didn't have a purpose at all. I was just drifting, being taken through life. And I think you just haven't found what you're meant to be doing. And that's around the time you met your husband when you were 22? Yeah, yeah, 22 I would have met Roy, yeah. And it was very much, he's quite a strong character and he took me on his journey. And then I've obviously grown. Which journey was right for you? Yeah, but how easily could that have been wrong? Like, that's what I mean. It could have so easily gone the other way. You're inspiring. (laughs) Behave. Now, to conclude this episode, rapid fire questions. Okay. Try and respond speedily and succinctly. Okay. Who is your business inspiration? Avril Parma Banak, um, BCA Auctions. 
she's a yeah she is she's a lady and a half yeah and she's not let um being a woman in a very male dominated we're completely nothing like each other but she has not let a woman being in a male dominated industry stop her at all there was no glass ceiling she smashed through it in fact there wasn't even one like it, it, she just said you work hard you go out you graft and you get recognized for doing what you're doing there was no you know he and she it just it just you work hard and that's what i like oh and she's done well she you wouldn't mess with her love the sound of her best piece of business advice you've received be honest and i mean that in the sense of um i can pay this invoice on such and such a date when something happens don't bury your head in the sand um never you know I think the days of blagging and Del Boy, you know, I think that's gone. I think being very honest and I think honesty is a currency in itself and building a reputation and a rapport with either clients, suppliers, whatever is really important and having the honesty and telling people as it is and not giving them any doubt about where you stand on something, whether that's your business decisions, you know, what you think or money. Very importantly, you know, people will be looking at computer screens and seeing numbers and the numbers are actually not accurately reflecting what what they've got in the bank account because they've got so much outstanding. If you say to somebody, you know, we're speaking from like a garage point of view that we used to have a garage, I can pay you on such and such a date, that's better than not answering the phone. And that's such a simple thing. And I know this is like a big business talk but for such a a base level thing it's really important I think especially for small businesses to know like how much money they've got the cash flow I think that's really important yeah to be straight and I guess that would alleviate some anxiety it would on both parts yeah because there's nothing worse than you know not knowing when you're going to pay people or not knowing when you're going to get paid um so I just think being honest in money honest in what you're thinking about honest in what you're showing people I think it's a, a massive thing now Great piece of advice. Favourite part of running a business? Sharing it. Honestly, I love it. I thrive on it. I, it's like going running. Did you even go running if you didn't post about it? I like, I enjoy sharing what I'm doing and I enjoy, I enjoy sharing the sheep, but equally I enjoy making a video about sharing the sheep. I am, yeah, sharing it and educating people about what you're doing. I think that's really exciting. The one thing you wish you knew starting out? Uh, it doesn't make you look stupid to ask the question. So seek advice. Yes. One thing you want people to take away from this episode? So no matter where you come from or what you're doing, if you fancy doing something, don't let anything stop you. Just go and, you know, push yourself forward because nobody is going to speak for you. No one's going to say, oh, you know, I think you'd be a really good hedge fund manager you know what I mean they're not going to so you need to go and push yourself forward and do it yourself it's almost like following your dreams oh 100% but like on a real on a real level yeah. you know no one's going to speak for you so you need to speak for yourself Charlotte your confession was that this is all a fluke do you forgive yourself regret it or wish to forget it I think instantly I wanted to forget it but actually um looking objectively it's made me a better person a more humble person and it's given me um more of an insight into who I'm trying to reach with my message so yeah I'm I'm definitely there for it I forgive myself Charlotte I'm glad you've forgiven yourself otherwise you wouldn't be here <laughs> and thank you so much for telling us your story I'm excited to see what the future holds and I will be looking at you avidly on YouTube and TikTok 
Now, if you're a business that would like to be featured on the NatWest Business Show, tag yourself in the comments. And if you've been inspired by any of this season's guests, take a little look at the NatWest website for info and tools to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening.